0: You are tuning into the UCLA Radio News Special Report. I am your host, Dr. Mantis Toboggan. First and foremost, our hearts hurt for the black community and we extend our condolences to the families and communities who are subjected to our country's ingrained white supremacy through police terrorism. We acknowledge and stand in solidarity with the black community and the protests against the systematic anti-black racism and oppression in our country. In our donation to the movement, we are utilizing our platform to illuminate injustice and amplify the voices of our black brothers and sisters. On this week's broadcast, Julia and Ray gomez shares with us the recent messages from activists across all colors.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Julia Andre-Gomez, and I'm a proud member of the UCLA Radio News Department. Today is June 1st, 2020, exactly one week after the adored Mr. George Floyd was murdered by a white Minneapolis police officer. Now, I could sit here forever just talking about how enraged I have been feeling, about how infuriating it is to know that our country has failed to truly value the beautiful black community yet again, or how much I respect and stand with the beautiful black community. But it was just, it just wouldn't feel right to not also acknowledge what others outside of the UCLA radio community are feeling as well. So instead, I'm taking this moment to share comments from a diverse group of individuals. I really just wanted to provide a space for people to express their thoughts and messages during this time where a massive uprising against police brutality is taking place. The first message I wanted to share with you all is from Francesca Gracie. It reads, It's so hard to focus on anything besides what we see going on in the streets every day. And I don't think we should be focusing on anything else. It feels wrong to think about finals right now when people are fighting for their lives. As a white person, I am trying to listen and learn And support the Black community in every way I can. I feel so powerless when I see how white protesters in my city only a month ago were allowed to yell in the faces of the police about not being able to get their hair cut, yet when Black people march for their lives, they are met with violence. When I see pictures of people post their food or at the beach, all I'm reminded of is how their privilege allows them to forget what's going on. White people need to listen to Black voices and recognize how our skin color benefits us every day. I'm trying to use my privilege to do good, and I wish there were more ways I could help. Thank you, Francesca. The next message is from Nicole Velez. It reads, the entire world has been under a rage of riots and protests against racism and hate crimes towards black lives. I recognize and say their names. George Floyd, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant. This is not about the minority or whites. This is about black men, women, and children following past and future generations of the families who are afraid and are tired of facing these unacceptable occurrences. We need to protect our Black neighbors, our Black peers, Black families, and those who are afraid. I am profoundly happy to witness millions of people in support of this movement in efforts to change the system. Being politically aware of this systematic oppression, we will change the system for the better. As a Filipina American, I speak for my community that we fight alongside with them to combat this hate and anti-blackness. I want more people of color and white people with the privilege to use their voices loudly. Speak up, be an ally. I know these intensive and direct actions for change in the injustice and systemic violence towards black lives will put a damn end on a police brutality and these all will go far in history. And I continue to stand in solidarity of the Black Lives Matter movement. We demand justice for George Floyd, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, Neo Wilson, Ahmaud Arbery, and every Black life affected. Thank you very much, Nicole. The following message I'll be reading is from a person who would like to remain anonymous. It reads, as a Black woman in a society that hates my existence, I am tired. I feel continuously hated and unprotected. The responses in opposition towards the Black Lives Matter movement is draining to listen to. We just want to be heard. We just want to be treated fairly. We just want to stay alive. That's all we ask for. I don't get how it's compromisable. Thank you very much. Next, I'll be providing you all with a message from someone who would like to remain anonymous as well. It reads, during a national crisis like this, my mind seems to be all over the place. Not only with the current crisis our nation is currently facing, but a global pandemic as well. My mind hasn't been able to focus on one thing at a time like it used to. The feeling of frustration is something so common to me now that I can't remember a time when I wasn't feeling this way. Times like this just remind me of how important it is to be kind to others and to treat others equally. Thank you. This last message is from another individual who would like to remain anonymous. It reads, As someone who's come from a generally supportive community, I've felt privileged in feeling somewhat safe during this time. I'm not surprised seeing the youth or the people my age who've attended my high school standing up and finding ways to bring our community together it makes me hopeful that its students our age being the, di- the driving force and i hope people can at least find ways to support their voices while it's scary knowing there are racists in my town some hateful people i also know a lot of people who simply lack knowledge of the injustices in our world i'm hoping this time opens people's eyes I'm hoping they finally begin to understand these problems and how they themselves have maybe contributed to the problem i'm realizing myself that i have not been doing enough i haven't educated myself enough or been loud enough about my beliefs but i'm lucky to be surrounded by activists who i can learn so much from thank you so much now i am truly at a loss for words personally myself julia gomez after reading these beautiful messages out loud Many things that needed to be addressed and acknowledged were expressed and I sincerely value each and every individual who took time to reflect and share their messages. Now I leave you with this. George Floyd, Maud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many other beautiful black individuals who lost their life to police brutality, white supremacy, and racial injustice. Let's not ever forget them and let's continue to say their names. Please continue to do what you have the means to do and don't disregard the power and impact you have. So protest, sign petitions, donate. You may not be able to do everything, but make sure you do something.
0: DJ pre-shares with us ways we can show support for the movement.
1: Into
2: general techniques, I think the first, at least for me, the first and most important one um, is research. Research, 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 educate yourself. Uh, don't put the burden on your black peers, don't put it on your black friends to explain the mechanisms of racism. Um, it's not their responsibility, uh, it's your responsibility. And a lot of the discussions and questions we have about systemic violence, about police abolition, prison abolition, state racism, has all been discussed before in depth by very, very educated and smart people who have literally spent their lives researching and fighting against it. So the more you research racism, the more you become aware of how it's seated in your personal life and in society, and thus the more you are able to combat it. Furthermore, educating yourself on these topics, as I said, it lifts the burden of education that black people are often asked to provide when it comes to explaining racism. Um, and it really helps you reflect on how each individual action you take, like functions in what is basically a racist society. So this is definitely something I plan on doing more often. I would not like I'm not going to give recommendations on specifically what to read, who to read um, because I myself don't feel like I've done enough reading to decide that yet. Uh, But there are a lot about like there are a lot of how do I say this? There's there's a lot of databases available right now, and a lot of them are university research databases that are free because of like Corona and stuff. So take advantage of them, even researching articles like op-eds interviews is super useful. Next, uh, my point, too, is listen to people of color, more specifically, listen to black people for this. Um, if um, a Black person confronts you or is discussing like racist behaviors and systems, listen, be open-minded, realize they are coming from a perspective you need to hear. Um, I've said this before, but if you are not Black, um, that goes for me, it goes for anyone who's listening. You have to recognize in some part you will never be, not in some part, you will Never will really be in their position. You cannot feel how they feel and you don't have the personal capacity to process and address these issues the ways they do. So listen to them. Don't take it as confrontational. Um, if they're critiquing you, listen. Don't take it as an opportunity to express guilt or a savior complex. Uh, take it as an opportunity to learn And on the subject of both of those points, both research and listening to black people and black voices, um, here are a few activists who you can read from. I would recommend searching them up. If they have social media, follow them. Most of them do. Uh, Read their books. Um, A lot of them write op-eds. If they have any, just search them up. Listen to interviews, podcasts, whatever, and really listen to what they have to say because they are well, they're some pretty incredible activists but i'll get into it the first ones i want to list are um, alicia garza patrice Kalors, and opal Tometi. they are some of the founders of black lives matter they definitely have a lot to say about um collectives movements um resistance uh, i also recommend if you're interested in reading michelle alexander author of the new jim crow Read the book, and also, I'm sure she has many interviews you can read or listen to. I highly recommend. Um, Another one, Angela Davis. She's an American political activist. She's also an academic. I think she's, like, a Emerita professor at UC Santa Cruz, if I am correct. But, yeah, she has some really great stuff, not just about um, police brutality and fighting racism, but also about resistance and movements in general. Also, feminism. Uh, it is an intersectional issue, so there's a lot that can be learned from reading about both of those things. Um, but yeah, and then also this is not a specific person, but the ACLU has a great page titled Fighting Police Abuse Community Action Manual. If you'd like to look into that, definitely recommend searching it up. Kind of gives the basics of like, what are the alternatives to like calling the police? We'll get into that later, but I highly recommend checking out all of those. But yeah. Um, that is that for listening, but also within your own communities and within your families, um, between individuals, talk about and confront racism, especially with um, like peop- like non-black people of color in your community um, and with white people. I think bringing awareness to topics like these is important in everyday conversation. People like to brush them off sometimes like they're stressful or like, taboo topics as if it's like politics and not like people's lives but don't let people treat it like that raise awareness confront racism and really like be an active participant in dismissing and criticizing racist behavior in your everyday life like don't don't let like small stuff i put that in quotes slide like um don't let like casual racism slide. It really, at the end of the day, being aware of how even rhetoric and small individual actions perpetuate racism is important in fighting it as a whole. Like I really, I really want to stress that for life. Um, four, this is, this is one that I think kind of gets backlash because it's, It's complex to some people, I suppose. Um, But number four is don't post black people getting brutalized, abused, murdered at the hands of anyone. Um, I've seen a lot of people post pictures, videos of George Floyd, the video of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, And the argument often is I think that People have to see what they're really being subjected to to feel sympathy or empathy or "quote unquote" understand like the real problem. But uh, this stuff is basically trauma porn, and not only is it traumatic for Black people to have to see acts of senseless violence and racism, um, but also it takes away propriety and autonomy from the person who was subjected to that violence. Um, and then fifth and final one for now I'm trying to limit how much I say because uh, well I'm on a time limit Uh, yeah but don't trust the police if these examples haven't made it abundantly clear the police do not protect anyone the police do not protect minorities the police aren't trying to like protect minorities seek other solutions that don't invoke the police okay and I know this one A lot of people hear this and they're like well what will you do if you don't call the police like there is that question and so basically here are some steps I'm sure you've seen like people have posted some really good um, lists of like what to do instead of calling the police but basically before you call them think to yourself like obviously we have been raised and kind of brainwashed into the instinct call the police if like anything seems remotely dangerous, but sometimes by calling them, you're invoking more violence. So react reasonably, think to yourself, does this situation actually necessitate the risk of visceral unwanted police violence? Or is it just a general nuisance? Like, is this something that is like a noise complaint, public indecency, public intoxication? petty theft like if it is a non-violent action like one of those don't call the police don't do that there are ways to like de-escalate or avoid these without bringing the police into a community um because you have to think to yourself am i harming or risking people in my community by calling the police Can I call, like, are there other people you can call? Can I call a hotline? Can I call a community intervention center instead of police? The more you are able to keep police out of your community, honestly, the safer it probably will be. I wanna talk about actually going back to the George Floyd case. Joanne Gable, the University of Minnesota president, actually did something pretty um, impressive. I don't think I've seen it happen before. If it has happened before, somebody let me know. But basically, Joan Gable, the U Minnesota president, released a statement after the case came out citing two immediate changes to the university's police relations. So the first one is, the Minnesota Police Department will no longer be contracted for additional law enforcement at games, concerts, and ceremonies, and they will no longer be used in specialized university events. Like, um, I think the example they used was canine checks for explosives. So this was like, this is on the point of don't trust the police, don't invoke the police into situations where they're no longer necessary. And I was talking about it at the individual level, but Joan Gable did something pretty impressive, which was taking police out of a community as much as possible. She basically disconnected them from the university community to keep students safe, keep staff safe, but it's that kind of action and that kind of mindset that needs to be um, applied to basically everyone. And then on top of that, if you see the police, if they've already been invoked, if they are investigating a person of color, if they are stopping a person of color and it feels like the situation might escalate, even if it doesn't, these uh, like situations can escalate pretty quickly. So if you see someone being investigated, stopped or brutalized, try to be an active bystander. This means asking the police if they have a warrant or reason for arrest. It means asking the person being arrested if they're okay, if they want help, if they need anything and staying there the entire time. Uh, record them if you can and make it clear you are recording and get the names and all, like licenses of the officers if possible so they can be held accountable if anything occurs.
0: Okay. Kara explains to us the power structures found in our nation's system.
3: Black Lives Matter every single day, not just the days when they are murdered senselessly at the hands of the police or by racist individuals acting out and using violence to perpetuate their hate. And so, so much has happened this week, but so much has happened many other weeks and sometimes there just isn't news coverage or media or a video to have the awareness be raised and so protests and riots have broken out across the country and across the world following the murder of George Floyd by the hands of the Minneapolis police specifically officer Derek Chauvin and the three other officers who are yet to be charged for their contributions to his death. There's been a lot of aggression on the behalf of the police towards protesters and a lot of arrests have been made. There's even a video going around from Minneapolis of a black news reporter being arrested live on air for essentially standing there covering the protest. Police come up and arrest him. Um, I mean, if that doesn't completely disgust you, then I really don't know um how else to to frame the the scale of this problem it is so so deeply rooted um to go to the extent of trying to prevent news coverage of these protests it's just reinforcing how important it is to talk about these events um and the other kind of side of this that needs to be discussed is there's a lot of attention around Target being looted. And I just want to clarify some things is, you know, obviously in a perfect world, none of this would be happening, right? And to focus energy on, um, you know, quote unquote city damages or looting, you know, targets a major corporation, they have the insurance and funds and legal access to to have all of their their goods be replaced and covered. Um, and if the looting feels more wrong than people being murdered, then, That that's a problem. Oftentimes this kind of argument of city damages or protesters just hurting their own communities is used to smear the Black Lives Matter campaign. It's used to distract and take away from the cause itself. And I want this point to be taken away. That nothing about this is isolated. We have to be looking at our history, at our nation's history, at our personal history, with a critical and diligent lens, and we have to connect the patterns. There is a structure, there are power structures of race, of systematic anti-blackness that have existed from our nation's founding. And I'm now using my platform to urge non-Black people to not be bystanders to this violence, to not help perpetuate this violence when we do not speak up, when we are silent on these issues of injustice. We are contributing to the problem if we are choosing to do that. And so I urge people to act And I urge people who feel uncomfortable to challenge themselves. Ask, why do I feel uncomfortable? Do something about it. We have to. We can't just keep letting these tragedies play over and over again like a broken record and expect a different outcome. And so on a final note, this is a powerful quote from Martin Luther King Jr., which I saw shared recently. The white moderate who is more devoted to order than justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. So please, challenge yourself, challenge those around you to do better.
0: Rutik gives us a special interview with Black Lives Matter leader, Leigh Yana.
4: Um, hello, my name is Leona Jefferson and I I attend at Cuesta College. I recently live in San Luis Obispo, originally from San Bernardino County, so I grew up in a white neighborhood, but I also understand growing up being from property and being around, you know, colored folks in Section 8 and stuff like that. So
5: San, San Luis Obispo County is very white. Uh, can you describe your experience growing up in slow as a Black American?
4: Yes. So growing up, it was very difficult for me because it was hard to um, relate to a lot of people. And I felt like they looked at me and my family a certain way, like, you know, you're ghetto or you're this. And they would put names out there in judgment without really getting to know who I am. So I had to fight my way through going attending school and to get out there and to be like no this is who I am so it was very difficult and just like a lot of opportunities that I saw a lot of the white kids accessing it was I seen that a lack of opportunities for you know brown kids and us black kids very rare black kids but we out here so (laughs) it was was difficult
5: since this country's birth there has been a very obvious and purposeful oppression of a black Americans and most recently the murder of George Floyd has kick-started a revolution to say the least and w- what do you think it was about George Floyd that led to all of this like w- was this like like the final straw on the camel's back or
4: I honestly felt like we're just tired you know just the way that they did it as well you know he was he was you heard him literally saying like, you know, let me I can't breathe or you literally heard him saying mama like help me like reaching out, you know, calling out to stop. So I just think that just hearing that and seeing that was just that was it, you know, and I think it touched a lot of people around the world, not only in one place, because, this is literally happening everywhere. Usually when we go back in time in history, you know, we see it happening in this place or that place. Like now people are finally realizing that, you know, we're tired. Like this been going on for centuries. So I think it was just the final straw of, you know, that's it. You oh, yeah. know, this has been going on since we're slaves, you know, so yeah.
5: Your point about him calling out to his mom who has already passed away was super powerful. Like how scared powerful. how scared do you have to be to call out to someone who isn't even alive anymore?
4: That's that's scary. That's that was touching. That it, it's a lot of emotions. You have a lot of emotions rising because, you know, for us black folks it can't just because we may not be related, but that's that can literally be one of us. Who's next? You know? Mm-hmm. Which one of us is next?
5: Over the past couple of days in San Luis Obispo, you, you have been a very like vocal person in the community. Thank uh, What have you? What if, like What can you describe? What's been happening in slow?
4: Um, so in slow, we've been having a lot of peaceful protesting. Um, we have some organizers, some other Black leaders that are here trying to get the message out there, and a lot of I've been seeing a lot of people support supporting, which has been great, but. There's still a lot of people that are uneducated and ignorant Mm -hmm. to understand what's been going on. I think a lot of people are looking at the looting part and forgetting about Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And so um, recently there was a protest, peaceful protest, and police started um, throwing tear gas and rubber bullets. And, you know, uh, but the part that shook people was that we kneeled down in peace, not only just the protesters, the police did it too. Mm-hmm. So after that, they kneeled down in peace, they started throwing tear gas and rubber bullets. So it was just like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, how are you gonna kneel down in peace and then starting attacking protesters? Yeah, you know? not so only a couple hours a later, yeah, I see. A couple, yeah, literally. And so that shook a lot of people. A lot of people also have been saying all lives matter. Which we get that all lives matter, but who's the one being treated as animals? Who's Mm -hmm. the one, or less than animals, matter of fact, less not even being treated as animals. Because we sit up in here and we care for dogs and cats, am I right? (laughs) We take care of them more than we take care of black folks, you know? So, yeah, that's been, that's been occurring right now.
5: I I just thought, I just found it super ironic that Slow is labeled as the happiest city in America. Right. But you you have (laughs) the police (laughs) marching down the streets.
4: Literally, it is not a lot of minorities have felt a lot of racism, you know, growing up, going to school, you know, there a lot of white, you know, Caucasian folks, they say the N word, you may mm-hmm. not say it in front of your face, but I'm, I'm positive they will say it behind your back. I've heard, you know, the, the hard R. I can't even I'm black. And I hate saying that word. And I hate seeing other black folks use it because I feel like it's ignorant. I don't care about nigga. But if you say the hard R. Mm-hmm. That's automatic. Like, that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of the white kids, they and they attacked a lot of the brown kids, too. You know, that's the sad part as well. They have their privilege. You know, yeah, they're literally privileged and they don't understand where we're coming from. A lot of us are coming from trying to have more opportunities, trying to have access. But it's hard when there is no access for us. There is literally zero.
5: Fortunately this morning, uh the officer Derek Chauvin, his charges were increased to second degree murder, as well as the other three officers officers were arrested. Uh wow. do you think this is enough?
4: No. <laughs> I definitely do not. I mean, I think that's great, but I'm I I honestly feel like they should be executed because you know, if that were a colored a black person were to do that they would have been executed in a minute you know lynching we've been we're literally being lynched Mm -hmm. if you really think about what's happening to to us right now we're being lynched you know and it's like why should there even be a trial you know i'm trying to like some of us don't even get trials right so to me i feel like it's hard but you know, they, they put fire and they don't receive fire. So, mm-hmm.
5: um, in terms of like institutional change, like, w- do you think the Minneapolis police department can be doing more than just firing these officers like training or, or any, anything?
4: Definitely. So, um, To become a police officer in a training that is for that is only nine months, Mm -hmm. which is shocking to me because in order to become a counselor or a doctor or so forth, you got to go through all these steps Mm -hmm. and years of going to school and training and to receive your license. But to become a police officer, you are physically, mentally interacting with people. So I definitely think that they should um extend the time that they have to train for it should not just be nine months that definitely is not going to um help it's you know the system is so corrupt and and it's so evil and it's so hard because i'm sure there are good cops out there Mm -hmm. but it's like they're a part of this dirty system and it's broken it's you know who who do we go to so it's literally left in the hands of the community and the people T- trying to take a step and trying to stop, but it, it really it's just about bringing awareness and bringing everybody together so that we can stop the system. Mm-hmm.
5: And
4: so the system can realize, you know, enough is enough, you know?
5: So, Thank you so much for that. So I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I do want to ask you, like to your and our non-black allies, do you have anything you want to say to them? Um, any, any educational words or anything you'd like them to know? Or even if someone who doesn't agree with you, is there anything that you think everyone should know about um, Americans' goals in these protests?
4: Yes. I feel like people, it's okay to disagree, but be open, you know, don't try to sabotage people's, these are lives being, being put into danger. And we need to really listen and be more sensitive, I think. We, If we have family members, if we have friends that are not agreeing, we need to step up. And it's okay to feel uncomfortable. You mm-hmm. know, learning something, it's going to feel uncomfortable when you're not used to something. So I think, you know, I think it's go- it's helpful for white people to step up and educate their families or their peers around them mm-hmm. and themselves. You know, do your research. Look back. And you can go into time and you see a whole Centuries, era of years of us being under attack, and you know I think maybe getting involved more into seeing how Black people feel is helpful as well. You know, understand where we are coming from and how we feel, mm-hmm. and the culture and, and how we're you know how we're raised. You know, it has a lot to do with we come from slavery. We don't under we don't understand where our ancestors really you know come mm-hmm. from. But I think that that. To understand where we are coming from and the culture and our community. You guys listen to our music, right? <laughs> you guys say our slangs, right? And our lingo, okay? And if you got the ability to do that, then you got the ability to stand up and really understand where we're coming from.
0: Thank you for that, Julia, DJ Pre, Kara, and Rutik. Well that is all for today, Wednesday the 5th of June, tune in next week to get our take on the news of the week and the information you need to stay involved, informed, and ready to debate your uncle on Facebook, stay safe.